New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Susan Piver. She's the author of The Wisdom of a Broken Heart, An Uncommon Guide to Healing, Insight, and Love. Susan, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, there's so many books and magazines out about how to get over a heartbreak. And you have a unique view Rather than turning away from it and using all these techniques and going into exercising and going into therapy and all that, you talk about going into one's sadness and grief. So tell us about that. Yes. Most of the books and magazine articles out there, like you say, are like nine ways to never feel sad again and 12 steps to never having your heart broken ever again. And all of these books and articles are about how to turn away from what is happening to you, how to dispense of it, how to get away from it, how to make it never happen again. And actually, in my experience and observation, that inflames the pain. That makes it worse. Instead, what I suggest is to turn towards the difficult feelings, not to wallow in them, but to experience them because they actually contain wisdom. And unless you allow the feelings to arise, you never get that wisdom. So... It's important to simply feel what heartbreak feels like. That's the beginning. And in doing that, there's a difference between feeling that and just being depressed. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between depression and sadness? Mm -hmm. Well, when Gloria Steinem was being interviewed about the death of her husband, who died after they'd been married a short time, the interviewer said, you must be very depressed. And she said, and this is a paraphrase, I'm not depressed, I'm sad. When you're depressed, nothing has any meaning. And when you're sad, everything does. And anyone who has a broken heart can tell you, for better or worse, this is true. You feel everything when your heart is broken, not just your own sorrow, but the sorrow of others, and also their joys. And in wisdom tradition, this is considered the root of compassion, this ability to feel what is happening around you and the feelings of others. So it's a precious precious state that doesn't feel good, but it is profound. Let's suppose that we are in a heartbreak, and we might have friends who, although well-meaning, will really want to help us get out of that. So we need to be a little more careful about the friends who are around us during such a period of time. Uh, Please talk about that. Yeah. Well, one of the pluses of heartbreak is you see who your real friends are. You see who can stand with you in difficulty and who can't. So it can be extremely helpful and healing to talk about what happened and to muse and to wonder why and what did I do and etc. But it's only good to do that with the right person. The right person is someone who will walk with you on your journey, who will listen to you talk, who will rejoice when you feel better, who will be sad when you stumble, but someone who will basically allow your process to happen with them. The wrong person to talk to is the person who tells you how to stop feeling what you're feeling. 
either you have to go to this kind of therapy or heal this sort of wound or stop eating dairy or, you know, start doing yoga, whatever it is that people tell you to get away from it. Those aren't the best people to talk to. The best ones are the ones who will accompany you. Well, and what I get, too, is that we all think we know what's best for another person. And we do genuinely want to help them figure it out. But let's say we're the friend of someone who's having a heartbreak. So what's the best advice you can give to us as a friend of someone? Mm -hmm. The best advice is to allow that person to show up in your life exactly as they are. I mean, there's a certain limit to it. If they're lying on their couch and it's nine years later, you might want to say, snap out of it, honey. <laughs> but barring that, the best thing to do is when if they want to call and tell you the story for the 9,000th time, listen to it. Take it in. Hear it. Don't just humor them. When they feel sad, hold them. Ask them how they are. Think of them throughout the day. Wonder how they're doing. Let them know that. When they start to rally, rejoice for them. Be happy for them. And if they hit hard spots, you know, return without question to your empathy and compassion for them. This is the best thing you can do, as I say, to accompany, to walk side mm -hmm. by side, rather than to try to distract them. Sometimes that's well-meaning, but just as often it's because their discomfort makes you feel bad and you want it to stop. Exactly. And I'm thinking, too, I find in my own life when I have truly been listened to or, or met or been received by someone, my story has been heard without judgment, without somebody trying to fix me. There is a great healing that takes place for me, and that's that place for a friend to just sit there and receive it. I completely agree. There's something oddly healing about telling the story. And having someone to talk to, certainly. And when I was going through heartbreak, I had one friend named Jeannie. I would call her on the phone crying maybe half a dozen times a day and wanting her to tell her again, why did he do this and, and how can I get over it? And every time I did, and this is not an exaggeration, she was like, you want to tell me the story for the 9,000th time? Bring it on. I'm here. She was the best friend to me. And I will never forget her for that. And when I have had friends that have gone through the experience, I try to emulate her behavior, which is to simply open without an agenda to what this person is feeling and saying, and to simply be there. And you know, funnily, or oddly, doing that for someone else teaches you how to do it for yourself. You can learn to be with yourself without an agenda in the same way when you actually try to do it for others. And that's, of course, extremely beneficial. Well, that is. And talk about that loving kindness to oneself and that gentleness that is important in this whole process. In fact, you even talk about it as a, a warrior's stance. Mm -hmm. Yes. The first thing to do, I think, when your heart is broken is to actually try to make friends with yourself. Because it's so uncomfortable that our initial impulse, understandably, is to just try to make it go away in whatever way is possible, which is an act of aggression in a sense. But instead, to be gentle with yourself, to extend the hand of friendship to yourself by simply saying, okay, let's look at this. What am I feeling? What makes me feel better? What makes me feel worse? That opening is not just an act of kindness, it is an act of warriorship because you're agreeing to feel what you feel. 
without trying to make it go away. And to open to your own pain is the beginning of spiritual warriorship. And without that openness, that willingness, all you have in this life are strategies. You don't have experience and authenticity. And this place also, you you talk about how it lives in the body. It's a sensation in the body. And you quote um, Pema Chodron, the Buddhist teacher, about how she says to feel it, but let go of the story. Say something about that. Yeah, that's like the most perfect, simple, direct statement. What Pema Chodron says to do with strong emotions is feel the feeling and drop the story. And that's the alpha and omega of the process right there. And the place to begin, I think, is with your body. Because when you say, okay, I'm going to feel my feelings, well, what does that mean exactly? So the place to start is where the feelings are occurring, which is in your body. So if you start to hone in on, well, I feel heaviness in my chest, or I feel like I weigh nine ounces and I could blow away, or my breath is short, or my stomach is tight... That's what I mean by feel the feelings. And there is no storyline particularly in your stomach or in your heart. Like, if I hadn't said this, it wouldn't have happened, or I have this unhealed wound that I have to fix. None of that story is happening in your body. That's in your head. So to feel the feelings and drop the story, all you have to do is tune in to your own physical sensations. You recommend a daily meditation practice that is very helpful, well, helpful in our life in general, but especially helpful, too, when we're experiencing heartbreak. So how can we get into meditation when we're feeling such turmoil? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the first step in dealing with heartbreak, and it sounds counterintuitive, is to relax. And what relax means in this sense is to simply allow your feelings to be what they are. Nobody knows how to do that exactly. You have to learn And the practice of meditation, the practice of tranquility that I talk about in the book, it actually teaches you how to allow your feelings to be what they are without getting overwhelmed by them, without indulging them, and without running away from them. Without that practice, I don't know how anyone can manage the situation personally. So I think it's critical, critical to develop a meditation practice at this point. You call it the push-pull without pulling it towards you or pushing it away. Right, exactly. Your feelings arise and you either want to push away the bad ones and when you feel something good, you want to grasp it and hold it towards you. However, nothing is going to actually last. So instead of pulling your feelings towards you or pushing them away, instead to notice them arise, abide, and dissolve. This is the most practical, expeditious way to not just metabolize your pain, but to experience your life as it is. There was some place in your book, I I just loved it, um, where you talked about how to intensify the feeling and look at the clock (laughs) and realize that, you know, you're just like really into that feeling. And then suddenly you'll notice at some point you'll be thinking about, oh, I wonder what we're going to have for dinner tonight. And it's so true. It's like our mind just cannot hold that for very long. And when we actually look at the clock, we actually realize it may seem like forever, but... Exactly. I suggest that in the book, actually, because when your heart is broken, you think, I'm always going to feel this way. When is this going to end? And truly, it's devastating. So, okay, let's see. How long does it last? 
actually, are you going to feel this way forever? Let's investigate. So when the pain starts to get intense, like look at your clock on your computer or your phone or whatever, and go, okay, I'm going to time this, and I'm going to focus on this feeling, and instead of trying to push it away, I'm actually going to try to inflame it. Okay, bring it on. Intensify the feeling. How long is it going to last? And watch the seconds tick by and note how much time has passed before you think, oh, yeah, I wonder what's for lunch or, (laughs) you know, there's a cute dress in the window. I think I need to try that on because... You know, something else is going to happen, and I bet it's not even one minute. <laughs> I'll bet it's not even close to a minute. So you also have in the back of the book um, a seven-day rescue practice. So say something about that. It was really important to me to include a program in the book where you could actually do the things that are suggested, because we've all had books that were like, oh, that's so helpful, and you put it on the shelf, and it's gone. So it's a seven-day program to teach you to bring meditation practice into your life on a daily basis. It's pretty simple. It's not a truly demanding program, but it teaches you very practically how to make time for it, how to learn it. Also loving kindness practice, when to do it, how to do it, and also ways of working with your heartbreak through journaling and contemplations. And it's a seven-day program that's laid out pretty specifically. You can still go to your job and all that. But by the end of the seven days, I really believe that you will feel, maybe you're not going to be like, oh, joy, everything, all my problems are solved. But you will feel, I've reestablished some dominion over this very out-of-control situation, and I'm actually managing it. Susan, I want to thank you for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. I've been speaking with Susan Piver, and if you'd like to be in touch with her, you can do so by going to her website, susanpiver.com. And Piver is spelled P as in Peter, I-V-E-R, V as in Victor, E-R, susanpiver.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And as I say, she is the author of The Wisdom of a Broken Heart, An Uncommon Guide to healing, insight, and love. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. Please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, To subscribe to our newsletters or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973 thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.